You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Since winning the championship in 2019, a lot of people have noticed that the Raptors have let their team building go slightly awry. They were the second best record in the NBA in 2019-20 before flaming out in the bubble. They had the Tampa season in 2020-21 that led to Scotty Barnes. They had their upstart season last year that led to small additions this season. But what this roster hasn't done is take risks, really. They've let aging stars leave the team, some for assets like Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul, Danny Green, all of them really important role players who left the team without anything coming back and were coveted by other teams in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard, obviously, most importantly, a finals MVP, leaving a team and having nothing come back is incredible and insane and a really tough position for the Raptors, but it's what they had to go through. I'm not saying this to say that they're bad at team building. Those types of things, some of them can't be helped. Some of them can. And the revisionist history angle isn't to say that they should have gotten Desmond Bain. They should have made the perfect trade. They should have made the perfect signing. No, it's just that you can't miss on all three. When Damari Carroll didn't pan out, the Raptors were also trading Grievous Vasquez for what the picks that became Norman Powell and OG Ananobi, right? A bad signing but a really great trade. If it was Jared Solinger who didn't work out as a signing, it was Pascal Siakam at the 27th pick. It was Fred Van Vliet as an undrafted free agent. So what I want to do is just go over the transactions that the Raptors have made, the trades, the signings, the draft picks, and kind of look at them with obviously the benefit of being this far into the future. And I'm not going to go over every single signing because there's guys like Matt Morgan or O'Shea Brissett, Yuta Watanabe, all these guys who played for the Raptors, Matt Morgan with the 905, for example, Armani Brooks, whoever you want, the types of signings that came on with the Raptors left and there was no spent asset. There was nothing coming back for them. They left. It didn't cost the Raptors anything besides the money paid on the contract. So I'm not going to talk about that. But if you want to say that the Raptors have let guys go like O'Shea and Utah, who have been better elsewhere, then that's fine for you as well. But I'm going to go over what decisions the Raptors have made since the championship. So the signings, I feel like, are a really great place to start because that is the most objective place that the Raptors have missed and have failed to add any type of value to the team. Their straight-up signings are Juancho Hernan Gomez, Svi Mihailuk, Aaron Baines, Alex Len, DeAndre Bembry, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Matt Thomas, and Stanley Johnson. If you want to include Terrence Davis in that since he was an undrafted free agent, feel free. When it comes to Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis, those two end up getting traded for two second-round picks, right? And that becomes Delano Banton and David Johnson. That's still up in the air to some degree. David Johnson, I think most people are not expecting him to have an outstanding career with the Raptors. Who knows what his professional career looks like going into the future, but it doesn't look promising for his time with the organization. Delano Banton is still needed to develop in a bunch of different places before he starts making very consistent contributions at the NBA level. But there's some hope there. Either way, these aren't slam dunks. Svima Hyluk, Aaron Baines, Alex Len, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, DeAndre Bembry, all these guys stay for one year. 
among these guys, I would make the case that DeAndre Bembry and Rondé Hollis Jefferson had the most positive impacts. And then Rondé Hollis Jefferson for the most positive impact. He played on the best team. He got to play a bit role. He was a really unique and valuable defender that season. And the Raptors had the offensive infrastructure to kind of paper over his offensive limitations. DeAndre Bembry, I think at that point in time, was a very talented, unique fitting piece on offense and defense, but not something that was figured out. And he was on a bad Raptors team. Alex Len, Aaron Baines, neither of which had any meaningful success with the team. The Raptors couldn't figure out how to make it work in the front court with them. And then Svi Mihailuk, who, you know, Scotty Barnes had that conversation or that quote the other day saying he really liked Svi as a person. But Svi, a guy who never hit more than two threes in a game, struggled defensively, didn't bring his three-point shot to Toronto. These are all signings that turned to nothing. These are what the Raptors went to do in the offseason. And they got no value out of it, pretty much. That's a really tough pill to swallow because if you want to be a world-class franchise, if you want to be able to take swings in the draft that take time to develop, it means you have to be able to sign guys who are going to give you positive minutes to really help out your current stars and starters. The Raptors have not been able to do that. Even this year, I quite like Juancho Hernan Gomez. I've liked a lot of his minutes. I've liked his fit defensively, even though that has been getting worse and worse. The defense, not necessarily his fit. Offensively, I think he does a lot of really intelligent things. He has great feel for the game. The jumper isn't falling. Otto Porter Jr. has had a dislocated toe for two months now. Has played, I think, eight games, seven and you know a quarter games with the Raptors. And I really liked that signing at the time. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I look at this stuff, I liked DeAndre Bembry. I thought, this is an interesting swing. I liked Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines was shooting the three well with Phoenix the year before. Aaron Baines was, you know, he was the screen god. And I thought he would free up Pascal Siakam. I thought he would free up Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, all these types of guys. Norman Powell, even to some degree. That just wasn't the case. He couldn't stay on the floor. Svi, I like too. He had a great preseason. I thought, okay, this guy is going to play some minutes. And I thought he was going to get a bigger contract the next season that he came out. I thought that Svi for sure was a surplus signing, and he wasn't. Stanley Johnson, most people were pretty low on him. I did a bunch of film as soon as he signed, and I came away being like, "Uh, I don't expect this to go well. I don't think it really did. Matt Thomas, the 99% meme was fun. He couldn't stay on the floor. There was problems with his defense and his ability to get shots off to some degree. And that's kind of the point is that I didn't expect any of these guys to completely change how the Raptors operated or to be major, major positive pieces. But I looked at it and said, if these guys could just play within the scheme, within the structure, I think things will go well for them. And then the Raptors could get minutes from them. But that really wasn't the case for any of them. And I'm just some schmuck who's talking about basketball. And I certainly liked a lot of minutes that were played by a lot of guys there, some not so much. And I'm sure that they would fit better on better versions of the Raptors. But the point is that the Raptors, they have not been able to sign people who are just good outside of context. Everybody has been completely dependent on the way that the Raptors team has played. That's why DeAndre Bembry, who I think is virtually at that point in their careers when they signed with the Raptors, relatively same level of impact as a guy like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, but it's RHJ who has the big year where he's the fun role player because he's on a good team. None of the guys who are listed are guys who are going to help lift bench units. None of them are guys who are going to help lift starting units. Nothing like that. The Raptors didn't manage to sign somebody who could bring impact no matter what. 
Re-signings. If I missed any, my apologies. Um, Patrick McCaw, two years, eight million. It's it's hardly any money, so don't want to quibble. But I didn't like McCaw's spot on the team at that point in time. But you know, it's that one doesn't really matter. Pascal signed the max. I thought it was a good signing. I thought it was what they needed to do. It's a good contract now. Fred, four years, eighty million. That was a really good contract at the time. OG, four years, seventy-two million. Re-signing, awesome contract at the time. Kem, three years, eighteen million. I didn't like it at the time. I still don't like it now. That doesn't mean it's bad. That just means I don't really like it. And you know, if the Raptors wanted to spend that money elsewhere, it's not there. Chris Boucher with two re-signings during this period and the two years and fourteen million. I think you could say he objectively out-earned that. He had a big year in Tampa and he was good last year. I really liked his season last year. And then I know people didn't like it at the time, but he definitely did well on that one. And so did the Raptors. He's on three years, 32 million. Currently it's descending. So he's going to make less money each year that passes. I think that he's had a tough stretch recently. He had a really nice start to the season, but he's also a guy who he's a little bit more dependent on the context of the Raptors than other players would be. But in the current cap climate, and especially as it goes up, it's not very much money. Even if he does struggle to find his way when the Raptors aren't as solid in their structure, we'll see what happens. But it's a fine contract. And if he turns things up again, it will look really good. I liked it at the time. And then Thad, it's $8 million this year, which I think he's probably worth, once again, more dependent on context. And then it's only $1 million guaranteed for next season. So the Raptors can punt on it if they like. It's a fine contract. Gary is the tough one because it was two years around between like the 16, 18 million, right? And then he has a player option for the third. They gave up team control for sure in these negotiations. And that's not something that anybody really expected to happen. It's also the situation that has put the Raptors here where they have to, even though Gary's having a really good season, in my opinion, they have to consider trading him at the trade deadline to get back assets, to get back value unless they want to play or let's say pay an exorbitant price in free agency. That's something that if they did better negotiating back then, they would have a better idea of how they want to go forward now. So I think that the Raptors largely have done a pretty good job re-signing their guys. The negotiations have gone well for them, especially OG. That four-year 72 million was incredible. Fred, good contract. Pascal was always getting a max. Like These are all home runs in my opinion, and I think everybody should feel quite good about them. But this isn't bringing more talent onto the roster. This is maintaining what's there. Okay, let's do trades. Yes, the Kyle Lowry trade. For Precious Achua and Goran Dragic. Dragic, I thought, was going to be good for the Raptors. He was still a very valuable player for the Heat when he left. Um, just one year removed from an incredible playoffs performance. And he was fine enough in the season where or in the season before he got traded as well. Precious Achua, I think to most Raptors fans, was a complete unknown. Many people who follow my coverage of him know I really love his game, especially his defense and some of the interesting qualities of his offense. I think Precious Achua is an extremely valuable player. He's in a funk right now. He's trying to get back into game shape, and he's trying to be able to play the best way he can. He's not having the best time of it currently, but I do really think that this trade ages well for the Raptors. We already talked about Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas being traded for those seconds, so we'll move on from that. Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood is kind of, it doesn't really matter. It's 
inconsequential for the Raptors because he left in free agency and he didn't add to winning when he was there. Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell. Norman Powell is a fantastic offensive player. Has been since he's been traded. Over that time, I think he's been a better offensive player than Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr., I think for the next however many years, is going to be a better offensive player than Norman Powell. And I also think that Gary Trent has been a better defender than Norman Powell in the time since. All this stuff said, the Raptors may not be in a position where they get to take advantage of Gary Trent being a better offensive player than Norman into the future. This is the the trade-off. The, the contract negotiations affect how this trade looks. And that's the tough aspect of it. What they do, whether it's trading him, whether it's re-signing him, and who knows how much that's for, whatever comes out, I think that you have to look at this trade and say, it's not necessarily a home run for the Raptors, but I think you would feel good about it. And then the trade that I think a lot of people had a problem with at the time and currently is Goran Dragic, a pick swap of what ended up being the 21st pick and the 33rd pick. That's all you need to know. There's a swap of seconds in there, of course, that makes that work out that way. But that's basically what it ends up being. The 21st pick for the 33rd pick and Goran Dragic for Thad Young and Drew Eubanks. Drew Eubanks gets released immediately, uh, waived, whatever. Thaddeus Young comes in and plays a decent brand of basketball with the Toronto Raptors. True, truly. He helps them win minutes. He adds to the Funky Fest quartet lineups. I think he brings them kind of a diverse decision maker from his position. He doesn't bring a lot of shooting. He does shoot it well from the corners while he's there. But coming into this season, we see that he's more reliant on a good context than somebody who just helps provide good context. And if it's a big deal to you to swap out Malachi Branham for Christian Coloco or the 21st for the 33rd, I, and if, especially if somebody got picked in that range that you as a Raptors fan really liked in, in the lead up to the draft, something like that, I, I get, I understand why you would be upset. Currently, Christian Coloco looks like a good pick at the 33rd pick, and we'll have to see how this age is going forward. I don't think that this is like a disgusting, utter loss in the trade market, but I do think that the Raptors overpaid for Thad Young, given that he wasn't playing for the Spurs at that point in time. Does that mean that Thad hasn't provided them with good minutes? Does that mean that they shouldn't be happy with Christian Coloco? Absolutely not. But I do think it means that it seems like they overpaid for Thad at the time. Make of that what you will. And then finally, we'll just go through the draft picks really quick. Scotty Barnes. Some people like Franz Wagner. Some people like Josh Giddy. Some people like whoever drafted after him, right? I think both those players, especially Franz. Franz is fantastic. I really like Scotty Barnes. I think Scotty Barnes is a fantastic draft pick for the Raptors. I think it took some cojones for the front office to choose him instead of Jalen Suggs. And I think he's been fantastic in his time in Toronto. I'm excited to see what player he grows into. Great pick, in my opinion. Malachi Flynn has obviously the ghost of Desmond Bain hanging around him. And a lot of people have a tough time getting past that. Some people at that point in time also liked Xavier Tillman a lot as well. Malachi, I think a lot of people liked him coming out of the draft because he was a defensive player of the year in his conference. He was a player who could run the pick and roll, was maybe the best pick and roll guard coming out of college. A lot of people liked that. A lot of people thought that the Raptors, with newly signed Aaron Baines, 
would watch Malachi kind of thrive in space that was created off of screens, would watch him under tutelage of Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry figure out how to be a really solid guard at the NBA level. Basically, none of that has happened. He's been asked to be a shot maker off the bench, whether that's catch and shoot or off the dribble. It's His defense has struggled more than most people would have expected, and he hasn't been able to grab onto a rotation spot and make it his own. That's really, really tough. A lot, a lot of people can't square why the Raptors seem to ignore his development. And, you know, he hasn't had a consistent path to minutes. He hasn't had a consistent role. He hasn't had a consistent support system by the looks of it. The Raptors don't even run what he's best at. And it's been really tough for him. And I don't think he's going to have a career with the Raptors. Elsewhere in the NBA, who knows what happens. But I think that Malachi Flynn... Is, is running out of time with, with the organization. So make of that what you will. A first-round pick that is not going to make a second contract, probably with the team that drafted him. Christian Coloco I talked about. I like it. 33rd pick, a, an early second-rounder. His, his defense already, despite the fouling, despite being a little bit underweight for the position, this stuff is things, these are things that will progress into the future and will get better. I think that there's really great details of his defense and uh, you can read about it. I did, well, Lewis and I did like the, <laughs> the magnum opus on, on Christian Coloco's game in early December. If you want to read, read about it on raptorsrepublic.com. I actually got to watch film with Christian for that piece. So if you want the full thoughts on Christian, uh, go read that. Dono Banton, I kind of talked about at the start. It's tough to square it. He was a guy who benefited greatly from the Raptors' context last year. If you're just looking at the skills and what he's able to provide on an NBA floor, he's not going to play on most NBA teams. He needs to progress with his jumper. He needs to get a lot better at quite a few things, handle, etc., to make that jump. But if he does make those steps, if he does progress, then his jump will look quite big. And I think he'll be a very interesting, very positive player quickly once he does do that. We have to see if it happens. But, you know, 45th overall, I like the pick. Second rounders that late, they don't usually pan out. He's already on a track I think that most fans should be pretty happy with. And then David Johnson, Dewan Hernandez, Jalen Harris, none of which have uh, had a tremendous amount of impact with the Raptors. And uh, I wouldn't expect David Johnson to save this this trio in any way, shape, or form. So it's kind of tough, man. The, the draft hasn't been a home run, but they haven't been in a position to uh, select high-quality draft picks so often. And that's basically the video. I just wanted to go step-by-step step and say that it's never one decision, but it's that the Raptors have missed on so many things, whereas the, every team misses. Every team in the NBA misses, and of course they do. But the problem for the Raptors right now is that there aren't many wins or hits. Scotty Barnes is a win, but he's the fourth overall pick. Like That has to be a win for you. There's, there's tons of decisions that have been made where you look at the Raptors team in the past, prior to the championship, you can see the immense surplus value they're getting from a lot of the decisions they're making. Even something as simple as the Terrence Ross trade, right? For Serge Ibaka, the Grievous Vasquez trade for OG and for Norm. Like they made a ton of good decisions and they made a ton of good draft picks. And despite not being able to sign anybody, and they haven't been. The Raptors, they couldn't sign anybody now. They couldn't sign anybody in the past, but they certainly made better decisions when they were in trades and in the draft. And it's tough to see 
that the same front office, a lot of the same decision makers, despite losing some developmental coaches, losing some assistant coaches, losing some decision makers as well, at the top end, you're still looking at the same front office. Maybe this goes to show you that organizations make decisions as organizations, that you need good decision makers at every single level, and that we maybe think too often about it being Masai and Bobby, that the organization has to brain drain is real. If the Raptors are losing people from a bunch of different places in their organization, developmental coaches, assistant coaches, decision makers, etc., maybe this is the result. Less effective everywhere because you don't have that. It's not Masai and Bobby just grabbing the reins and turning them in and saying, hey, I got a feeling about this guy. Let me make this happen. Maybe it's the organizational wide effort to make sure that they have great intel on other players, to make sure that they have great intel on upcoming players in the draft, etc. Who knows? You couldn't say for sure, but you could certainly lean that way if you wanted to and think about it that way. I just wanted to talk about this topic because I know a lot of people have been thinking about it for some time. And uh, it, it really does come up when we look at the Raptors not having a bench that they want to play, not having a lot of assets at the back end. And uh, despite having a, quite a bit of top-end talent, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., they still are not winning games. And it's a depth issue for sure. And we'll have to see what happens with them going forward. Thanks for tuning in. Much love to you. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, have a blessed day and goodbye.